What's up? We're happening. It's happening. Holy moly. I can't believe it's five in the morning where I'm at, but you know what, Dave? This is what I'm willing to do for the podcast. (laughs) You must have uh, traveled further west. Yeah, Uh, I did. It's 5 a.m. What would it be? Where would I be at 5 a.m.? I don't know, Japan or something like that? No. Hawaii? uh, Hawaii, I think, is two, two or three hours. Probably, you know, where they lost... Where the plane actually went you must and lost. Uh, did you did you stay up late last night, like nine p.m.? <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. I actually stayed up till nine p.m. Yes, I watched some murder she wrote. Uh, you're not done revisiting the murder she wrote catalog yet. I mean, you've been doing Bro, that. There's like uh, there's like ten seasons. <laughs> yeah, uh, our and guest you have today. To, you uh, have to do it. Yeah, you have to do it in groups, right? You can't just you can't watch all ten seasons of murder she wrote. I could. I could blast through it in the in the bathtub. Uh, but you know you just it's sad when you're i just finished a show called white lotus and i was sad when it was over it was only six episodes you know that's the new thing now making miniseries it's Mm -hmm. like bands doing uh eps EPs. it's like no more all our fans do that all the time they're like more where's new stuff where's new stuff and it's like uh so we uh who knows maybe in the future bands will start just making music eps the beatles did i did we discuss that? Yeah, we did. We discussed the Paul McCartney thing. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, this is... Uh, but that could be the future of music is is starting to put stuff out more, you know, like a, a song every three months rather than take three years to do 10 or 12 songs. I, I, I think it's coming. Yeah. I think it's coming. But I interrupted you. Why don't you... Uh, I heard you uh, introing our guest. Why don't you do that? Yeah, man. I mean, I came on here uh, and you guys were already chatting away. So this guy's got a ton of great stories. I mean, I was I reading up on his bio and I'm like, hey, this is really cool. I live in L.A., so not far from the Sunset Strip. So he's got some cool strip stories, uh, you know, down there. And, you know, this, you got the whiskey and uh, Rainbow. There's a bunch of great places there. But uh, he's actually uh, also. Well, let's just bring him on because he's yeah, uh, it. it's really cool. So let me intro yeah. him here. Our guest today is a renowned wrestling referee who has worked with WWE and some of the biggest wrestlers out there, including Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, one of my favorites, Shawn Michaels, and The Undertaker. He has also been a part of such TV shows as Lucha Underground and the Netflix series Glow. He's also been a part of the rock and roll music industry for years, which obviously we'll get into. Please welcome Marty Elias. Come on, man. Hey, hey guys. Thank you so much, man. My pleasure, dude. Thanks for having me. Thanks it's for coming be fun. on. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Sweet, dude. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let's just get right into the rock roll stuff first, I think. Uh, okay. You know, I already intruded. We can get into the wrestling stuff, which I'm a huge wrestling fan. Yeah, uh, I got some history of wrestling. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, being a music show and you being a huge music fan, let's just take it back to the beginning with you. I mean, I read up, you talked about your obsession with Kiss. Yeah, and then you know you got into music. So let, hit us with what you got. Well, uh, back in 1977, I actually predicted my future because when Kiss was at the height of uh, Love Gun in 1977, I had heard that they had played and sold out Madison Square Garden three nights in a row. And mind you, my dad was in prison for 12 years, and my mom was a single mom with seven kids. We were dirt poor, and I told her, I said straight out, I said, "Mom, I'm going to work Madison Square Garden." And mind you. At that time, 
I had no idea where New York City was or what MSG was. It was a whole different planet to me, but yet I predicted it. And I told her and my mom being the, the Hispanic lady that she is, she goes, oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, gave me her uh, confidence and said, go, go do it, kid. So fast forward to 2007, first time working at the garden. I was nervous as anybody should be because, you know, going to shows there is cool. But when you perform there, it's a whole different animal, man. And I'm sure you guys know that, too, because it's 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 one thing to do that. But to perform and have that vibe of, of the garden is just insane. So I got to the arena and come to find out that I was working with Roddy Roddy Piper. And mind you, Roddy Roddy Piper, Hot Rod, he worked WrestleMania 1 with Hulk Hogan and uh, Mr. Wonderful and Mr. T. So for me, being a wrestling guy and being a music guy, I was like, oh, my God, I'm working with Hot Rod. So I went into his dressing room before the show and I said, Hot Rod, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm working with you today. I'm your referee. I said, but I want you to know, I said, this is surreal and special for me because the fact that you main evented WrestleMania one, here I am a little Mexican kid from California who, who predicted his own future. Here I am. I'm going to work with you tonight. And he looks at me and he, and he goes, Hey kid, let's go out and kick some ass. Huh? Let's do it for Ma." And I went, all right. So <laughs> we went and did it. So it, it was a surreal moment for me and something that I'll never, ever forget. And just a little tidbit on that, too. Madison Square Garden had a payphone, of course. It, a payphone was against the wall in the hallway. And yeah. what I did is I went and I called mom and I said, mom, guess where I'm at? And she goes, I don't know. So I said, New York City. I said, I'm at the garden. And I said, remember, I told you when I was 10 years old that I was going to work this and she goes, yes. And I said, well, I'm working it. I'm going to be on Monday Night Raw tonight with Roddy Roddy Piper. And her response to that was, that's nice. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's nice, dear. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Like, ah. But she knows. She knows. how. You know, she She's proud, proud, man. She's dude. proud, dude. I love her to that's death. That's cool. Yeah, I was saying before we got started, Ty, about just performing at Madison Square Garden and how it was like, you know, a special thing for me too. just thinking of the history of that place and the, the amount of amazing bands that have played there, you know, right from the King to Zeppelin to literally the, you know, everybody that you could think of, I think has rolled through there. It was, it was like a spiritual moment. I remember putting my head against the wall and like trying to listen to some of those reverberations. If they were still bouncing around in there, try, here's some of the Elvis. I don't know, but I remember how, cool it was to play there we did that with motley crew on the uh, saints of los angeles tour i believe yeah that's yeah. where they f they filmed uh i think it's jimmy kimmel some jimmy kimmel thing live i had to go on and, and sing that song what was it oh, yeah, Trash right. circus or something that's uh, right a singer from nice. each band what a cool setup yeah a singer from each band but uh the singer from godsmack just didn't show up <laughs> well, yeah, Ty, you know, the other thing that I did when I was there before everybody got there, because I was part of the, the ring crew, the, the production crew. So we would get there early and I would help set up the ring and do all this other good stuff. So, you know, like I was telling Dave, what I did is I, I walked through the hallways and I went into every single dressing room and just kind of picked the vibe and just like, 
oh my God, Zeppelin was here. Elvis was here. And I was like, just put their makeup on in, in, in one of these rooms, man. In yep. 1977, they sat and put the makeup on yeah. in here and I'm here. And it's like, oh, you know, one of those things. It's good to have those moments and, and uh, always have yeah. those moments. You know what I mean? Even when you're an adult, still have those giddy moments. So, yeah. I like that Madison Square Garden has, it's still the original, you know, it's almost like because it's in Manhattan, like they can't, like it would the amount of money it would cost to rebuild it because it's old right i mean we went and watched yeah. a, i think we went and watched the jersey rangers game there or something dave and i remember the coach uh front where the players sit on for the ice i remember the coach there's no the, you have to walk across the ice to go to the dressing right. rooms so the coach had to walk through the crowd and they're like boo <laughs> <laughs> yeah man the place is so old is i i think i love that stuff new york garden fans are the most intense insane wrestling fans that you're ever going to find man i mean and, and, and here's the thing i perform for a lot of wrestling fans all over the world but when you get to the garden man if if the folks in in new york at the garden accept you then you've actually made it but if they crap on you well nice strike head yeah. Well, so is that we, I went to, I was going to say I went to my first wrestling actual live wrestling event in London, England when we were making our record me and Dean the bass player of our band we we uh got sort of hooked up tickets from the guy who operates the the lights and the TV setup and he hooked us up and and I it was like I felt like a kid I, to, I told the guys I, every time there was something happening I just had to like hoot and holler and scream Somebody would bang a chair over somebody at the back of somebody's head. And I'd be like, that was not nice. You know, and I just I loved like the feeling of just like being rambunctious in this playful, fun way. And it was like really took me back to just like being a kid more than any like event I've been to. Yeah. You know, what's cool for me as far as the wrestling aspect, you know, for, for a long time, I, I didn't embrace what I had done or what I achieved because I felt, you know, nobody cared about what I did, you know, because I was a lowly referee. But, you know, it, it's crazy today as I sit here and talk to you guys. I mean, I, I really can't believe how many people have been affected by what I've done. And, you know, I, I meet people all the time and they tell me, you know, that I was a part of a, a moment in their life and their childhood and teenage years. And, you know, it, it really humbles me, you know, to, to know, you know, that I was a part of somebody's childhood and, and that somebody has this very valid memory of something that was great in their life and, and a memory that they'll never forget. And I've had people come up and ask me about specific things in a match and stuff. And I go, wow, man, I forgot I did that match. And mm -hmm. you know, so I start talking to him about it and to know that people really just have been ingrained and, and really just are moved by my performance is, is, is just incredible and, and something that I don't take for granted. I got a couple of buddies that were pretty, that probably could recite <laughs> matches uh, you know, from front to back. Uh, but let's get let's get to the stats. Have you taken any chairs, uh, ladders? Yes. Uh, have you been pulled out of any rings and thrown to have the ground? Have you slammed? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh let's yeah. Get to the stats. I've, I've, I've been super kicked by Shawn Michaels on pay per view. Uh, Chavo Guerrero and Lucha Underground. Um, <laughs> 
Chavo hit me with a chair when I was trying to save uh, Rey Mysterio one time. And, you know, I, I've been beaten up my whole career. I mean, you know, just because I'm a referee, people, you know, assume that, you know, that you're not involved. But I've had concussions. I've had tears. I've had breaks. You know, everything. My knees are shot. You know, my, my right shoulder is shot. And, you know, my neck hurts. I mean, I actually had a stinger and, and had a, a, a bruised uh, spinal uh, cord one time, you know, because a, a bump went bad. And, you know, so a referee, you know, you do get hurt and stuff. As a matter of fact, talking about the Shawn Michaels one, it was at the Unforgiven pay-per-view against Chris Jericho. And both Shawn and Chris had asked me to to be their referee for this angle. And, and, and looking back on it, it's great because Chris Jericho often mentions that, that that angle with Shawn Michaels in 2008 was one of his best and favorite uh, angles that he ever had. And, you know, to be a part of that was amazing. But we were in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, Quicken's Loans Arena. And uh, Shawn asked me in the locker room, he goes, hey, um, would you be willing to take a super kick? And <laughs> I went, yeah, That's sure. Hilarious. You know, it, it's it's Shawn Michaels. It's HBK, It'd be an honor. Man. But, <laughs> it would be. Yeah, an honor. absolutely. You know, was, and, and plus, you know, Shawn Michaels is my wrestling hero. So uh, awesome. I went, yeah, absolutely. So he goes, okay, kid, we'll be uh, we'll be doing it. So as he's walking away, he he turns and he says, "You okay with it?" And I go, "Yeah." I said, "Do me a favor, though." He goes, "What's that?" And I said, uh, "Don't be a pussy with it." And I yeah. walked away. Oh God! So uh, permission, permission to, permission to lay it on me. Let's make it look good. And believe me, he laid it on me, man. He cut my teeth, and I, at the time I was wearing braces and stuff. And um, <laughs> yeah, he 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 really didn't uh, let go. Uh, and it was and it was cool because afterwards he goes, "Are you okay?" And I went, "I'm fine. I'm fine." You know, I love it. It's so good. Committed, man. Like Commitment. I always wonder how hard because, uh, you know, we, I've never been in a ring, but I like it looks like it it hurts like it's so loud. It has some spring, but like what's underneath? Like what's underneath wow. there? Is it just? Wow, plywood? that's great. It, no, it, it's funny that you asked that because most people, a majority of people who, who've never been in a wrestling ring or seen it uh, think it's a trampoline and, and it's not. But back in the old days, 70s, 80s, the rings did have a spring in the middle. That, that was attached to these beams, still beams. And then you would put wood planks on. So, so they had a spring that would bounce up and down today's rings, especially WWE rings. What they are is there a frame. Uh, you got four posts and then you have four beams going one way. Then you have eight going the other. So there's a total of 12 and then you have 18 planks, wood planks that are 20 by 20 and they go all against the ring. So then you have, styrofoam foam which is about maybe two inches if we're lucky that goes on top of that and then you put the canvas on and then you tighten all that down then you put your ropes and underneath you you, you have your your come alongs and things that you got to tighten and then you make sure that, that your ropes are tightened accordingly I, it was funny because every time i would set up a ring at lucha underground whenever ray mysterio was working he would always come to me and he always hey can you make sure that the middle rope is a little loose because when he would do the 619 he would always have to press down on it so if it was too tight he couldn't get that flex that he needed so he would kind of ask me, remind me and go, hey, man, can you loosen the middle one? Absolutely. Hey, Marty, can you put this razor blade under turnbuckle three? Thanks, bro. <laughs> you know what? Turnbuckle. Hey, it's funny you say that because I've actually been told, hey, Marty, can you hold on to this razor blade in your pocket? I love it. 
All right, cool, that's man. amazing. Oh my god! Or like the good old George the Animal Steel. He come in yeah. and he always like. Did he really like eat? Can he eat the turnbuckles or something? Yeah, he, yeah. Like he would eat the turnbuckle and stuff. Yeah, so he had know? the green tongue. You know, he had the green. Yeah, tongue. the green tongue. Yeah. So there was many a times, you know, where I had to hold a, a razor blade and and hand it off during a match and stuff. But you know, it's crazy because a lot of people say, well, you know, they they cut themselves and they do this. Well, yeah, that's true, but that's an art form in itself too because you need to know how to cut yourself and, and you need to know how to pass it on to somebody without exposing it and, and going, oh my God, look, Marty gave him a razor blade. There's an art form right. to it. I yeah. Agree. What do you do? Go down there and be like, hey, are you okay, man? And he's like, get out of here. And you're like, oh. Yeah, Pass yeah. So, oh. yeah, yeah. You're you're checking on them, and 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 you know you're 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 grabbing their hand or whatever, and you just it's it's a sleight of hand. It's like being a magician, you know. And, and one of the things you know that I always did from for for me is I would always be animated and distracting and stuff, and and, and do all this, and then at the same time I'd just come in and I'd slip it right to them and magic. I do always notice, though, where it always has bothered me, but obviously it's part of the whole shtick of the show is that sometimes the the referee will count, you know, and be like, one, two, and you go to hit the three, but it was, no, no, it was only two. He always does it. He always goes up and goes, the two. Yeah. yeah wait for the shoulder to come off the ground. You know, <laughs> you see the refs like, dude, I, don't, I can't be late. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's one of my biggest pet peeves when, when I see – younger referees today on tv and what they're doing is you know they'll do the one two and then they'll just stop like right here and and hold right. it and i just no come on guys you know the you know the way to get that across and really get it over is, is to really just come down like you're going to count three you know i used to have calluses on my right hand right here because i would actually skim the canvas because i would make it that close you know mike kyoto taught me that trick and he you know would always say you want to make it as close as you can because if somebody isn't kicking out then you do have that split second where you can actually hit three and count three if they're not kicking out so you know when i see guys or girls when they're counting and they stop up here and or, or they do, right. do do stuff like that for me personally as an older guy from the business, it, it it really gives away the magic of, okay, well, he wasn't supposed to kick out. And people go, oh, okay, he's going to do that again and again. So, so right. by the time yeah. so, so by the time you come for the finish and you're you're doing this kind of stuff, it, it, it takes away uh, you know, the the um the pop, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, we literally right. used to wrestle in our house. I got two brothers, so <laughs> we, we would have two wrestlers and one referee, and somebody had to count out the three count. Like, yeah. we did that for real. That was our childhood. We had the mini. I ring. used to do the two thing. I'm like, no, I was only two. Yeah. We had the we had two. the mini ring right with all the little rubber figures, uh, and you know, for me, the LJN wrestling... figures, or the big LJN thick figures. Yeah, those the, the big coolest. like. Yeah, and I had, all, I had all those guys, and it was like uh, my favorite was uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. Growing up, I loved Macho Man, uh, yes. but I grew up with like the Killer this. Bees and the British Bulldogs as the tag teams, you know. And it was like uh, Andre the Giant, Hogan, King Kong Bundy. That was like what I remember of my wrestling childhood was all that those classic wrestlers that were just was it, was it the Bushwhackers? They used to watch Bushwhackers, them. yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> Luke, Luke and Butch. Yeah. You know, the, the rockers, you know, I mean, you know, the the Rougeos, I mean, 
you know, the, the young stallions, Paul Roman and uh, Jim Powers, you know, Iron those Sheik guys. laying down Iron Sheik laying down the camel clutch on. Yeah, on absolutely. Sergeant Slaughter, Sergeant Slaughter, you know, so yes, all those guys. And, and it's crazy, you know, because my, my brothers got me involved with professional wrestling and I, I would sit there and watch it with them. And I eventually, you know, got consumed with it. And all these names that you mentioned, it's crazy because I, I've actually got to hang out with these guys at, the at shows and, and and just talk to them and and not only talk to them as as a fan, but but get to talk to them as a peer and stuff and and make mention, you know, the, hey, man, I'm back in the day. I used to take my brothers, you know, to the local pizza parlor and pay five bucks a head so we could get in and see the pay-per-views and stuff. So yeah. to sit there and actually talk with these guys and actually work with them again surreal moment just like madison square garden it's like man is this really happening and it did yeah there's there's so many parallels with wrestling and music with with the touring with the traveling because they do they'll travel around different arenas and do shows and there's like a big family and you know uh so let's you because you have kind of both sides of the story so you actually have because i people in slaughter and and uh you know it's mark slaughter and it was a dana strum and yeah uh and so how did that all happen because it's it, it's interesting how you do two completely different things right because you, yeah. you still work with some of the stuff with the fan club stuff or you still do some of that no n- not anymore you know uh the last few years i've been doing a lot of backline for vince neal because dana is actually his bass player and his manager his personal manager so i actually do backline with my brother mike my my identical twin uh we actually do backline uh for vince you know uh anything west of the mississippi is you know more than likely you know we're taking care of it and stuff same thing with slaughter you know i mean i remember the day that uh august 26 1988 when benny vincent fired the band and i remember mark and dana coming out and we were leaning up against mark's little triumph t7 and we looked at each other and I was like, you know, what are you guys going to do now? And they said, we really don't know. And two weeks later, Chrysalis gave Mark Vinny's deal, which was at the time it was two, for two records for $4 million. And that's uh, that was the birth of, of Slaughter as, you know, Slaughter became, you know, up all night, Flight of the Angels, all that good stuff. And it's crazy because I remember when they were doing those demos and and, and they were writing those songs. And and I remember hearing like rough drafts of Flight of the Angels and, and Up All Night and some other stuff that they were doing. And it was like, wow, man, th- this is going to be different. And it was. And lo and behold, you know, when they went in and, and, and they recorded the record and, and they released Up All Night, which the video, which... Uh, that they did for up all night that was actually directed by michael bay who really yeah yeah who directed transformers. all the, uh, oh, transformers huge. and everything yeah so yeah. michael bay directed that video and a lot of people don't even know that and you know it, it was crazy to, to see that that start of slaughter and, and, and where they ended up eventually and, and being mtv darlings with up all night and and you know fly to the angels and spend my life off that first record and then 
helping with the fan club, you know, when they were on that tour with Winger and Kiss and Danger Danger. And it, it was such an amazing ride. And again, being a part of that, but at the same time, I, I still had my little wrestling geekness that, that, that I was, uh, you know, really involved with too. I was a closet wrestling guy back then. We're all kind of closet wrestling guys, I think. <laughs> I, I love that you've got a twin brother that you guys work backline together. <clears throat> I can just picture... Uh, like somebody coming up to you and be like, "Hey, like, where's that amp? I, I thought you were gonna bring it over here. What what amp? Oh yeah, ten minutes, oh yeah. Ten minutes yeah. ago, I just said I'd get the you were get that amp over here that I needed. <laughs> yeah, like, it's anything to me, man. It's 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 a lot of fun, man. You know, you know, like we've had some very cool trips. You know, you know, with with driving the truck and the gear and stuff, and you know, with some uh, load ins and some things. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, about two years ago, three years ago, we we had a show. We, we did a Vince show in Sacramento. And the next night we had a slaughter gig. And it was up north. And we actually had to drive uh, from, it was Donner's Pass up there. And it was snowing. And, of course, you know, we, we had no idea that the snow was going to be what it was. And... A five-hour drive actually turned into almost 19 hours because of the snow. Wow. We actually yep. we had to stop. We had to buy chains. You know, we, we roads were closed and stuff. But I will say that that was one of the scariest times being on the road, traveling through snow and, and everything else, going across Donner's Pass. And it's crazy because I had never heard of Donner's Pass. And I looked it up the next day when we were safe and sound in Salt Lake City. And I went, holy schmoly, man, we could have <laughs> yeah. been in a very not bad place, man. Not made yeah. that. Tense, right? That's tense. It driving. is. When you're driving through that stuff, you're, the middle of your back hurts. You know, you're holding that steering wheel a little <laughs> Yeah, you, and, and, and you're I, like I could this, just picture you know, it. you're just kind of yeah. just like, Where oh, my God. And, you know, yeah. I, I remember turning to my brother, Mike, and, and I told him, serious as a heart attack. I said, Mike, I love you. And if we die today, bro, we, we came into this world together. We're going to go out together. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised they, the, the, the wrestling, they hadn't come up with some sort of plan to have you like all of a sudden you would appear twice. Like, what is this? There's two of them. Like, I don't surprise yeah. them. No, like, you have a twin. How do we yeah. do this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and you know, it's funny, Tommy dreamer, uh, after I left WWE, I, I shouldn't say after I left, after I was fired for denying wearing a kiss t-shirt at WWE, th th that's why they let me go. Uh, but wow. I, I remember telling Tommy dreamer after the fact that I had a, I had a twin brother and he goes, how come you never told us? And I said, nobody ever asked. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It well, it's not going to work that into the yeah. story. Yeah. 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 yeah so, yeah. you know, but you know, but who's to say, man, I mean, if there's any promotions out there, you know, that, you know, want to have a, a, a double twin whammy, I mean, Hey, call me. <laughs> that's right <laughs> we, we should do a, uh, a wrestling music video at some point it'd be so much fun not a bad idea i can yeah, help you guys man, with the rings you. and all that good stuff that's man. right that sounds so fun. were you were you living in la then when back in the 80s like with sunset's trip like yes yes actually i was a huge motley guy still am to this day uh you know because kiss turned into super kiss around 79 and 80 and then they, they did unmasked and all that stuff and you know kind of lost interest in that but then i remember hearing about this local band in la called motley crew 
And I remember hearing their record because a buddy of mine had the record. And I remember dropping the needle and hearing Livewire for the first time and just going like, holy moly, what's this about? And then seeing the band. So I, I heard that they were playing and I took it upon myself at 15 years old that I wanted to go see this band. So I hitchhiked to L.A. to go see them for the first time in 1981. And I got to the show. I went and I seen them and it was life changing, to say the very least, man. And and then from there, you know, I followed Motley around the clubs. I mean, you know, the the Troubadour, the the Whiskey, Gazaris, Pookies, uh, Glendale Civic Auditorium, the Country Club, uh, you know. Country just, club. We played there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just all these clubs in LA that were the clubs to to be at back in the eighties, you know? So, and then again, I, I remember seeing Motley actually it was Nikki and Tommy. They were out in, um, at the sports arena. Uh, it was during the, I want to say it was the, for those about to rock tour at the LA sports arena. And I remember Nikki and Tommy handing out flyers in front of the sports arena. And wow. to this day, I still have the flyer that Nikki gave me. And, uh, you know, it was crazy. And I always like to tell people, you know, that Motley was my band and still is because, I mean, I, I was there when there was maybe 50 people in at the Glendale Civic Auditorium seeing Motley. But, but yet they had this energy and they had this drive and they just had this it factor that, that you just knew that these guys were going to do something. You know, little did they know that they were going to dominate the world and, and become who they ultimately became. But to see them in, in, in their infancy like that and, and, and to see the drive and the fire that they had was, was amazing to see. And then to see them take it to, to the next level. And then here we are Motley Crue today. And for me coming full circle and doing backline for Vince Neil, I mean, and being on the side of the stage, you know, Vince is singing looks to kill live wire shout at the devil. And I'm going like, I was 15 years old when I hitchhiked to see you guys, man. And now I'm, I'm on the side of the stage, man. And you're doing these songs. And, you know, when Vince sees me and my brother, he knows us and gives us a hug and high five and stuff, man. That stuff, you just go like, am I dreaming, man? Somebody please wake me up. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah, it, it's awesome, dude. So how, how do you go from that, from the wrestling to the TV show stuff? When you left WWE, now you started because yeah, first I, came Lucha Underground, right? That was the first one. No, actually, I I started working doing uh, production assistant stuff, and okay. I actually told myself when when I was let go, I said, "Look, there's two things that I could do. I could either swim or I could sink, and I like to swim." So what I did is I actually started doing background work. You know, I, I went to central casting and, and I signed up and I, I started getting placed in, in, in different background stuff, you know, j- just to kind of get my foot in the door. And then what happened was, is I uh, started doing a, a lot of that stuff and I, I started to know people and i started connecting networking is very very important in entertainment i mean it's not what you know it's who you know really yeah and you know just being a good human being and just being a hard worker and and being somebody you know that you want to hang with on a tour bus for six months you know that that's that's the most important thing man you never want to be that guy on a tour bus where you go man i gotta ride with this guy for six months 
You never want to be that guy. <laughs> no. Being the guy <laughs> yeah, that yeah. will get the gear there, even if they need to drive yeah. 19 hours through Donner's Pass. Yeah. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yes. So, so then I, I started doing that. And then I actually went on the Mayhem Festivals uh, doing that stuff. A buddy of mine, Josh Bernstein, who was running Revolver at the time, who is now running, who's now the president of Hit Parader Magazine, he uh, met me at uh, a Vegas show that they did. Uh, I, I, I believe it was a 24 or the 48 hour festival event sevenfold was head, headlining it. And I remember meeting him cause I was working merchandise for Chris Jericho and I met him and he didn't know who I was at the time. And about half an hour later, he comes into the dressing room and he goes, Holy smokes. I didn't know you were Marty Elias from WrestleMania 25, dude. Here's my car, dude. And I went, all right well if you ever need any help he's like email me email me and i went all right so i got hooked up with josh and i started doing a lot of the revolver golden god award shows um a, a lot of the uh the mayhem stuff that he was doing and as a matter of fact that's how i got connected with alex from orange because he was the rep at that time and i was out on the road and i was selling subscriptions for revolver magazine and i was selling merch for orange jams out on the road and then when we ended up in atlanta that's when i finally got to meet alex face to face and we just connected man and we've been friends ever since and alex is the one who's actually hooked all this stuff up man so again going back to networking and being a good dude and working hard man it pays off i'm living proof man so i was able to go do that and then I got a call when I was on the Mayhem Festival from Krista Joseph, who was the creative director of Lucha Underground. And I'd worked with him at uh, WWE. And he calls me and he goes, hey, man, do you still love professional wrestling? And I said, not like I used to. And he goes, would you be interested in working? Uh, he goes, I interviewed for a show here in L.A. I can't tell you what it is. He goes, but I can tell you the name. And it, at the time, the name was uh, the working title was um, Lucha Uprising. It wasn't Lucha Underground. And so I got off tour and I went and I met with the showrunner and I met with the line producer and they were pretty convincing and told me what their plans were. So I, I said, okay, I said, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll do five episodes and, and that's it. If I'm not feeling it, then, then I'm out. And lo and behold, I stayed for four seasons and, we we actually changed the wrestling landscape. I, I'd like to say Lucha Underground really did something and, and really changed the way wrestling was done and, and, and the way we shot it, too, because it was a Robert Rodriguez thing. And Skip Chasen, who is his be-all guy as far as shooting, you know, he, he, he really did something different with it. It was shot differently. It wasn't shot on normal film. So we shot it differently. And it's crazy to see that WWE and other promotions try and copy that today. And I, I always like to say, you know, that Lucha Underground set the standard for that and changed the way that professional wrestling is shot today. Now you can definitely tell it's a Robert Rodriguez it's got that grainy, it's got that yes. kind of look, you know, that's from his, some of, you know, Grindhouse and some of the stuff that he's done. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I've got, I got, you should definitely check that out. It's on the El Rey network, right? I think you can get it. You can buy it on iTunes. And yeah. Like and, and I believe uh, it's, it's actually on Tubi now from, from what yeah, I've been told. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, it's on Tubi. On 
And uh, I actually read something today that Robert Rodriguez actually has a deal with uh, Roki, Roki, uh, to, to, yeah, Roku uh, to bring yeah. back uh, the LRA network and, and its content and stuff. So hopefully, you know, we get to see some Lucha Underground uh, uh, stuff on, on that. And, you know, people will be introduced to it who haven't seen it and really like it. And, you know, so that, that that's how I, I, I got into TV really by working behind the scenes on Lucha Underground, you know, because it was a lot of TV stuff because one of the misconceptions that people thought was that Lucha Underground was an actual wrestling promotion. And it wasn't, it was a TV show based on an underground wrestling promotion. And that was the difference. So there was a lot of TV people interacting with professional wrestling people. So I remember talking to people and saying, okay, you guys show us TV we'll show you wrestling. And that's what we did. And, and I really think that's what made Lucha Underground so successful behind the scenes is that we, all of us who were part of that creative process and, and a part of everything behind the scenes is that we actually worked together and we made this amazing product that people still talk about today. Yeah. It seems like you've been kind of making your future happen since you were 10 years old. So yeah. what are the next boxes you're yeah. going to check? <laughs> What is it that you're you looking predict? forward to? Yeah, like what do you what do you want to do now? What are you going to make happen now F- from here? Uh, on? What's, what's, what's I'm actually I'm actually going to be dropping my own podcast on Killcliff TV. Yeah. There we Earth. go. So there, there, there's where I'm going now. Well, you just picked up an instant fan base of uh, oh. where I mean, some north of 100k. We're going to say north of 100k. Wow. Thank you. Thank know. you. Yeah, yeah I, I uh, in 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 it in the podcast will be called. Look at that, huh? Kill Cliff, yeah. uh, Ignite. <laughs> Rapping. Uh, yeah, I uh the show is gonna be called Life After Three. And it, Life After Three, you know, people well, why name it Life After Three? Because here's the thing, folks. I was able to live my dream in the wrestling world. I was able to do that. And I achieved that by working the greatest match in WrestleMania history with Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. And and Sean and Undertaker both said that if there's one match that can define define their careers and a match that was perfect, that that's the match. And the fact, you know, that I was the third man in the ring for that, I mean, that's that's not a bad one to be remembered for. But the fact, you know, that I was fired by WWE for wearing a Kiss t-shirt or for denying it, um, the fact, you know, that again... I could either sink or I could swim. And again, I like to swim. So I went and said, you know what? The same passion, the same drive, the same love that I have for professional wrestling, I can go apply that to music. I can go apply that to TV production. And that's exactly what I've done. And I've been able to go do that. And I've been able to go work with Vince Neil. I've been able to go work on TV production. I've been able to work on Glow. And, and that's one of the things, you know, that I, I stress to people, especially my peers and brothers and sisters in the professional wrestling world who aren't at WWE, is if you love something and you have that passion for it, put that drive that got you to WWE and go place that somewhere else. Because you never want to sit and get stuck chasing that dragon or become a victim of one entertainment platform. Because we live in the greatest country ever, 
the United States of America and opportunities are out there. Go seize those opportunities and do what's best for you. Not for anybody else. Do what's best for you and do it because you love it. Yeah, I love that. It's so true. Yeah, well, so you probably you probably have a, a like a the platform for your podcast is perfect because uh, you really do appeal to a massive audience like from across multiple spectrums of entertainment. So I think uh, I think you have something here with uh, with your podcast. Thank you. Yeah, uh, you know I've already reached out to uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and a few other folks, and they've already agreed to to come on and stuff. So I'm looking forward to telling some stories and pulling back the curtain and, and being transparent with a lot of things, you know, that I've been blessed to do, whether it be music, uh, TV or, or, you know, professional wrestling. And again, going back to the name life after three is that the reason I named it life after three is because hence the, the one, two, three professional wrestling. But if you look at my career and, and my body of work, I've conquered three different platforms. I've conquered professional wrestling, I've conquered music, and I've conquered television. So those are three platforms that I've been able to be successful at and go do them and make a living. And so life after three. So to tell everybody that there is life after things that that you love, but you can go do other things and, and, and do it well. But again, believe in yourself, being a good human being, working hard, and just being respectful of of your environment yeah yeah i mean that's uh it's probably where we should end i mean that's just perfectly spoken right there yeah yeah. i I mean that's a leave leave you with something to think about folks but i I agree man i i love it you know you're kind of like in control of your own destiny if you're willing to work hard and and make things happen Amen. Hey guys real quick just a shout out to my to my guys future legend apparel you know that they'll be one of my sponsors for, for my show and looking forward to, to working with them and, uh, you know, doing some great stuff. And, you know, a, another chapter in Marty Elias's life and career, you know, uh, little did I know a year ago, you know, that I would be diving into the podcast world, but yet here I am. And again, it's another opportunity that I'm seizing and, uh, you know, going to make the best of it. And, uh, put put everything into it and enjoy what I'm doing and, and telling some amazing stories, you know, that I've been blessed to be a part of and and, and share some knowledge and, and share that, you know, regardless of where you come from in life, no matter what walk of life you come from, that anything is possible. And if yeah. you have dreams, go live them. Yeah. Well, you're a great example of that, man. You know what? It, it kind of, it, it sometimes even me and Dave will even talk amongst ourselves about how sometimes we need a little push to remind ourselves how freaking great our lives are. And yeah. sometimes it's the, it's the fans that do it, honestly. It's the people, like you said, that say, that wake you up sometimes you're having a bad day. You're like, I don't know if I can do this. And then some fan says, hey, you you made my life by signing this thing for me or something. Or they watched you in, in the WrestleMania. It's like, uh, man, I got to stop bitching. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's great because... When people, you know, let's say I'm at a supermarket or I'm, you know, buying something and, and people go, how are you doing today? I'm blessed. Yeah. And, and, and I get this weird look and I go, I'm blessed. And they go, well, what do you mean? I woke up today. That's right. You know, and, and people, I said, think about that, you know, and, and that's why, you know, whenever on Instagram or Facebook, I always have the hashtag read that again, you know, because 
think about that. You know, th- there's somebody who didn't wake up today and there's somebody out there who has a lot worse than, than I do today. And That's right. I'm able to get up and, and, and come to work and, and, and work on an amazing TV production that, that I'm on currently. And, you know, I'm on set with some amazing actors and actresses and stuff. And again, I, I sit back and I go, is this really happening to me? Yeah. Am I really here? Am I really working with Mark Marin and, and, and all these other different folks, you know, that I've been blessed to work with? I mean, coming on your, your guys' podcast, man, I'm, I'm going like, wow, th- th- this, this is cool to be, to be a part of this, man. Cause you guys kick ass. And it, 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 again, it, it's the music thing and, and being asked to come on here. I, I was like, hell yeah, I'll do this. So thank you guys. Yeah, we have those moments on, too. I totally have those same moments where I'm I'm thinking like, is this for real? Like we're playing poker at Jerry Cantrell's house from Allison Chains, and I'm going, is this real? I'm sitting next to Jerry Cantrell. Hey, you know, real quick, guys, you know, the song "Not Meant to Be," dude. Talk about a song that is deep, man. Because I actually went through a lot of difficulties in 2018, man, with the divorce and some other garbage that was happening. And like I said, music is very powerful, man. And lyrically, and, and what that song says, man, lyrics resonate. And it's great, you know, when, when you hear bands and you hear music that actually relate to what your circumstances are, man. It, it, it's really cool to know that somebody else has been there and somebody has walked in my shoes and understands, you know, that things do happen in life and remind you, you're not alone, right? You're not alone, man. And that's a big one. And and, and that song was, was a song, you know, with some other songs that I just went like, man, this song, it resonated, man. So thank you guys. Oh, cool. Oh man. This was amazing, man. It's really been a pleasure to chat with you. Uh, I think, uh, I think the people that are are fans of our podcast are going to be fans of your podcast. So uh, I look forward to watching and listening to a few myself. Oh yeah! Hey, yeah, and you know what? I, I'll, I'm going to have you guys on, man, so we yeah, can talk great. more music, man. Yes. So 100%. yeah, there it is. Thanks, bro. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Take care, Thanks, man. Marty. Be blessed. You Thank it. you, guys. I love it. it it's, I like get giddy when I think about wrestling and my what it meant to my childhood uh, and the WrestleManias. Uh, I remember going back in the days, we talked about this f- a few weeks ago, the phase one video. I used to go and rent yeah. the WrestleManias from right. phase one video and just like get the VHSs come back. What do we rent? Who's, who's the main event? <laughs> I just yeah. love it. I felt we grew up in the, uh, we grew up in like the, the time of, I'm sure everyone says this, but I felt like we grew up in the time of like when wrestling was, when it was still the WWF. That's when we grew up, like yeah. when it had though all those people, Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan. Andre the Giant. And then you go, you go to school, and then someone would do some wrestling move on you. They let me let me, let me do it. Let me do the sleeper on you. Let me do it. Let me do the full Nelson on you. The worst was the camel clutch. It camel was camel clutch. Give you a panic attack. Snap your yeah, snap your spine. Camel clutch, and then someone would I do it think to the you. The worst move was the pile driver. <laughs> the pile driver to me looked like. Uh, Paul Orndorff, Smash your right? head into the ground. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a way to sell it, but if you actually really did that to somebody, I mean, that's hospital. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Cause in, in, when you're in elementary school and they do it to you, they don't do it the wrestling way. They actually yeah. smash your neck, your head and Concrete. snap your spine <laughs> in, at recess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's great here. And uh, I mean, we could have went on for four hours. I just wanted to know, I, I, you know, I wanted to know the, what happened behind the scenes. I mean, it's just there's like some cool stuff. Curtain, just even, you know? even 
even building the the like the ring it's it's like a mystery yeah. right like you, you want to know what's under there what, yeah what are they flying yeah, 10 feet off the ground those guys go on the huge ladders and they fall down i'm like i mean is I mean, that honestly i painful? mean you can you can <laughs> say there's uh there's some acting involved but i mean these are athletes you know like they're they are athletic yeah. and they are taking a beating uh, I also Amazing. want to give a, a mention to Santa Claus Inc. That says we always ask. Uh, sometimes we forget, but our our guests have a charity of choice. So they'll shout out to SantaClausInc.com. So what they do is they provide gifts for underprivileged children. I think it's actually you gotta go check it out. But I think it's almost like a shopping spree. I, I think the parents go and pick out the toys they want, and then the charity provides them for them or pays for them rather than just, amazing sending gifts it's right. a really cool setup but go to santa claus inc.com and sounds like the uh, kids are actually getting what they want that's the way to do it that's right well here you go here's a starbucks gift card and they're like what <laughs> I'm only that's me now that's yeah like what do you want for your birthday tyler i'm like oh, amazon gift card that's it i uh, love it man well, what right else on. is going on dave what are you going what are you doing today uh, is, it? is it today well no i'm uh about you know the kids are in school now so it's uh just working around my wife's first day of work actually she had a scheduled c-section uh she was assisting with this morning and is seeing some some women uh for well woman visits uh today so it's her first actual day of private practice as an OBGYN. so i'm just being a supportive husband today ty just being a congrats to husband. her on that yeah i think she's That's pretty fantastic. excited a little nervous probably She's worked really hard, so well deserved. Yeah, I know. I'm proud. I'm proud. Um, well, we're getting uh, back on the road. We're going to do another podcast real soon. Me and you just talking about getting back into the touring life after a year and a half. Yeah. Uh, and then we also discussed, you know what? Maybe do a live, live one of these. Might be cool. I think that'd be Maybe a lot of fun. on the road. Yeah, I think that'd be a lot of fun. We, uh, I'll, to, I'll to unplug this thing to figure out how to bring this with me, but... Uh, We'll figure it out later. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. Go check us out, uh, bandmeetingpodcast.com. We got some merch on there. Make sure to go purchase your Kill Cliff. I think you can get this either at killcliff.com or I think it's now available in stores or soon to be in stores, but check it out on their website. Uh, and other than that, go check out our socials and look out for the future Life After Three from our guest, Marty Elias. What a great guest. That was a great that was awesome. uh, yep. convo with him. And that's it. We'll see you soon. Peace. Only two. Bad meeting with Tyler and Dave.